0: You're listening to a Bellingcat Discord server stage talk titled Programming for OSINT, How to Get Started. The talk features Bellingcat tech team members Tristan Lee, Iganish Idarbekova, and Johanna Wild, giving practical advice to programmers on how to break into the field of open source research. The stage talk was hosted by Giancarlo Fiorella on the Bellingcat Discord server on August 26th 2022 so hello everybody and welcome to another stage talk here in the bellingcat discord server thank you for coming my name is Giancarlo fiorella and i am a researcher and a trainer here at bellingcat i am also uh one of the moderators uh the server owner here in the bellingcat discord server Thank you again for coming. If this is your first time in one of these talks, I'll tell you that we do them with increasing frequency. We used to do them never. And then we started doing them once a month. And now I think we're doing like two a month. So um, uh, with increasing frequency, we have these spaces where we have uh, either somebody at Bellingcat or, or or an open source researcher talk about some aspect of their work. And they're meant to be spaces where you can tune in and listen and hopefully learn something new and get to ask questions. So um, today, and I'll do the formal introductions in 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 about a minute or two, we have Tristan and Johanna. They're two of my brilliant colleagues here at Bellingcat who are gonna be talking about programming and open source research, why it's useful and how you can get started. So you're gonna get some practical tips on how to start doing um, programming, or if you're a programmer, how you can get into open source research. A couple of things that I want to uh, begin with some new things. Um, I am going to well, this is a new but I'm just letting you know, uh, know now because I have it here in my notes. Uh, this stage talk is being recorded as they often are. And I'm going to be sharing it in our SoundCloud page. So Bellingcat has a page on SoundCloud. I'm going to share the link here in the stage talk chat channel which you should uh, see just above the stage talk on your channel menu here in the server. So uh, that channel is new and you can react to the presentations as they are ongoing. So if you want to share a message, I don't know, somebody says something that you think is cool, you can go ahead and post it in there. Uh, and also at the end of the talk, we're going to do a Q and A. So uh, Tristan Aghanish, uh who I see now here, hi Aganish, and then Johanna are going to talk for maybe about 30 minutes combined. Uh, 30, 40 minutes, and then we're going to open up the space for you to ask questions Uh, to to uh, the colleagues, my colleagues here about the talk that they've just given. So you can ask those questions multiple ways. You can DM me, you can post them in stage talk chat, right? So everyone will be able to see them and then I'll call them out, uh, or you can ask to be unmuted and then I will unmute you and then you can ask your question. Um. So let's see what else I have here, that is it. Uh, Oh yeah, and then stick around the server for more talks. Uh, Soon, I'll tell you that the next talk, I'm gonna reveal it right now, is gonna be with Fuka Posma, who's one of my colleagues here. He's gonna be talking about some recent research that he's doing, uh, that he's been doing. And also he's gonna post a challenge to the server. So this is a new, and I hope he does this, because I've just said that he will, and it was an early idea. Uh, that I'm revealing here. He had the idea to post a challenge, a geolocation challenge to the server. So um, that's probably going to be next week. Stick around for that. Come to Fuca's t- talk and he'll uh, post a challenge that you can participate in. So having said that, um, I am going to uh, introduce Tristan and then Tristan will take it away. And I see now that, yes, again, Aganish and Johanna um, uh, uh, are also here. So obviously you're welcome to speak as well. Uh, Tristan Lee is a data scientist at Bellingcat. His work tends to focus on analyzing and visualizing extremist and conspiracy theory communities online with a particular interest in far-right and white nationalist networks. Tristan is here to talk to us about programming in OSINT, why it's useful, and how to get started. So uh, Tristan, thank you so much for being here. And the microphone is yours
1: thanks Giancarlo. carlo uh can you guys hear me yes great so yeah uh, thanks uh thanks everyone for coming um uh I wanted to do this talk because uh since starting at bellingcat um and uh kind of getting the uh, the staff icon uh on uh, this discord server I've gotten a lot of d m s from people asking uh how do I get started in programming um like if they can if I can give them any uh, like resources or point them in a direction, it seems like there's a lot of people who want to learn how to program but aren't really sure um, how to go about doing that. so and in particular, like how to go about doing that in the context of uh, using it for open source research. So um, I want to give this talk to kind of give some different perspectives on how uh, some of us have learned programming and why we found it useful, so uh, um, yeah, so I guess maybe a bit of background, uh, just a bit of uh, context uh, what is programming? Uh, so programming typically involves writing a, per- a computer program to perform some task uh, usually written in a particular programming language so the task can be pretty much anything, so including, you know, finding the billionth digit of Pi, or uh, displaying a website, or figuring out whether an image contains a dog or not, which actually is like incredibly difficult. And um, there are a lot of different programming languages out there, and it can be overwhelming. Um, And a lot of people have very strong opinions about which programming languages you should learn, which ones suck, which ones are great. and uh but just in from what i've seen the most common programming languages especially in the um in, in the osint uh, community are um python r and javascript and python is a uh, pretty general purpose language um it's kind of the de facto standard for um data science but it's also used for a ton of other things um Python is the main language I know and use, um, and uh, it's the one that uh, we use most commonly um, for Bellingcat projects. Um, R is, most, is often used for statistical and uh, scientific computing, and uh, also data science. It's very common in specific fields like bioinformatics um, and uh, some other academic fields. Um, and JavaScript is really the kind of most commonly used uh, language for um, anything involving websites. So, you know, making web- if, if your website looks pretty, chances are uh, there's some JavaScript in it. So that's like a very, very brief uh, overview of what programming is. And um, so I guess I'll start off. Um, so uh, the first question I have is... Uh, how and why did you learn programming? I think uh, the way we're going to do this, I'll answer it first, then I'll um, let um, my colleagues um Johanna and uh, Iganish answer this. So uh, how and why did he learn programming, Tristan? Um, I learned it in college. Um, I studied physics, so it was required. The first course I ever took on programming was uh, used the C++ language. Um, and honestly, it did not stick at all. Like, it went in one ear, out the other. Um, and uh i didn't really uh care about the kind of programs i was writing in c++ um and i'll talk about that in more detail um in the third question uh i started using uh python um and jupyter notebooks for physics and basic data visualization for another course i was taking and um that kind of started to stick more cuz i actually uh was interested in what i was in the kinds of programs i was writing um, and I started doing some, you know, classic, uh, physics nerd things like solving differential equations and, uh, simulating physical systems and making cool, uh, visualizations and animations of them. And, uh, after college, for fun, I, uh, I often, uh, would download various data sets I would find online and, uh, try to analyze and visualize them. And this was, a uh, really helpful for learning how to work with uh, big data and uh, to do quote unquote data science. And uh what another thing that helped me was uh, that um I got a job at a um early stage re- early stage research and development company that did a lot of uh, government grants that were often focused on optics and image, hanse- in, uh, image enhancement um but, uh, and other things about computational imaging. And uh, so that was very helpful for uh, kind of giving a, uh, a more structured way of um, programming. So yeah, uh, I think I'm going to pass it to uh Aganish. uh Aganish, how and why did you learn programming?
2: Oh, it was in my uh, last semester at the university. And I took this computer science course, which was supposed to be super easy. And it would be like all my friends would tell me that this course was how to use. Basically, quotation marks for Googling. So it, it should have been just an easy class. But that time when I went, when I started it, they they actually changed the professor, and this new professor actually made it computer science subject and uh, yeah, started demanding that we all learn programming. And it was his first year. I think it was his first ever time, time teaching, and he we didn't really have any. We didn't get any education on how to do programming, but overachiever that I am, I had to, yeah, I was like, uh, yeah, I I had to learn it to get a good grade. And I just learned it from uh, like edX. So it's a platform similar to Coursera. And I took a bunch of uh, Microsoft classes that was like Python for beginners. And that's basically how I uh, learned it. Um I, I really loved that course. It was super tiffs and great. Uh, I checked it recently. They yeah, it's not there anymore, but uh Yon and I actually have been uh looking at this programming for everybody course on Coursera, and that's where I am actually uh learning more right now. And uh yeah, but the basis yeah, this was the basis, and then uh I uh, I majored in economics, and eventually I became a researcher assistant for this, yeah, economics research. And there we needed to do, uh, we were looking into voter turnout in Kyrgyzstan, and we needed to scrape a huge number of PDFs. And I was supposed to do that. So this is my very, basically, I guess I had like two months course uh, from uh, the Sadax platform. And I had to just learn it in, I don't know, I probably had a couple of weeks. So I would just basically uh, search search for everything on Stack Overflow. And eventually, it worked. So I was able to scrape all these PDFs and create a database of 1 million voters in Kyrgyzstan. And yeah, and that's how it started. So yeah. And. Yeah, and now I'm still on May, way, okay, because I don't uh, often program, and uh, after a long break, I'm back at programming, and now I'm starting it again with this Coursera uh, class. That's it.
1: Great, thanks for that. Uh, Johanna, uh, how and why did you learn programming?
2: Yeah,
3: hello everyone. Nice to meet you all. Um, Iganish already mentioned one point, maybe we can come back to this point later again, that a big challenge if you learn programming is if you do big breaks. That is also something I suffer from a lot that you can learn a lot if you focus on it for a few weeks or month, but then if you do a break, um, everything can be forgotten very easily again. So one key to learning uh, to, to how to, to get started is actually to make it a regular thing, which is something I personally struggled a lot with. A little bit about my background. So I have no programming background at all. I started long time ago in traditional local journalism. And at that point in time, the news industry was such that you did not really take programming seriously in a way that even the IT people working in these newsrooms, they were literally in the basement far away from the journalists. And you usually look down on them a little bit, which is crazy from a perspective nowadays, right? Because we know that how much power you have if you know how to program. But I was socialized at that time when When you wanted to become a journalist, you have no connection to to programming and this whole world. And you even might maybe feel that they do strange things that are not so valuable. Not that I personally thought that, but this was the general vibe. So when I started um, in local journalism, I was never, never encouraged to look at anything related to programming. And um, even that was the time when uh, online journalism was still disregarded. So when I was a young uh, journalist starting out in local journalism, the advice that I got was always, look, stay away from this online journalism because you you will not be taken seriously if you focus on that, you will get less paid. So I was very, very far away from from this whole world. and. Um, Later on, I realized um, myself that this is an area that is actually quite useful for journalism and for online research as a whole, and that I have uh, quite a lack of knowledge there. One reason why I realized it is because later on, I also did a a study, a master's degree in online journalism at a university in in Birmingham. And my professor at that time, uh, Paul Bradshaw, he was very, very early in uh, encouraging journalists and focusing on learning how to program and working with data in innovative ways. And he encouraged me a lot to learn uh, how to program. And at that time, I tried it, but I have to say I struggled a lot. So my way is that I I started several times learning it. I also started uh, my first programming language, I tried it was C. And I remember I tried to do a course and I was literally sleeping on my keyboard because I found it so boring. I could not get any connection to this topic. I found it boring. I, I found it difficult. And I, yeah, I, I really struggled to, to motivate myself. So I needed several uh, runs to uh, actually um, start getting more into it. And I, I, I saw the need, I saw that some things I would like to do, I'm not able to do. But the way to really get into it and uh, find my way into this was and is a long uh, one. And, um, yeah, maybe I leave it up to a little bit later to, to discuss how exactly, so I have a few tips also for you in case you don't come at all from a related field, um, how you ca- can, enter this field, how you can get started, Be- because I think there are also a lot of misconceptions there. So, um, a, f- a few things that I thought at the beginning when I didn't yet had any connection to programming is that I thought, wow, you, you need a lot of, um, mathematics. Right. And I never was good at mathematics or I even didn't have any interest in that. But the good thing is for some types of programming, you need it. But for other types, it's actually less focused on um, mathematical skills than I had expected initially. Right. And there are a few misconceptions like that that you maybe naturally have if you don't have any connection to this field. And it's quite interesting to learn that in some ways it's. It's way easier to learn programming how you might think. Uh, you might have more fear of it than necessary in case if, if you're one of those researchers um, like myself who come from complete different fields with no connection to, to this area. Yeah, happy to talk more about this a little bit later on. Thank you.
1: Great, thanks, Johanna. Um, so I think my next question is uh, what are some cool applications of programming in uh open source research that you've used. So I'll just briefly talk about two that um I liked or that I did. Um so in October 2019, a wave of protests uh um erupted in Iraq and there was a lot of repression by uh government um forces and militias. There was just like horrible footage coming out of people like getting tear gas canisters to the head. And um a lot of but um the problem was a lot of the or one problem was like a lot of the footage um was being deleted from Twitter and other social media platforms because it was getting, you know, mass reported or, you know, like it showed violence or so um one thing so one thing I did is I wrote a script to automatically um archive uh, download and archive videos posted with one of a set of hashtags so for example you know like if uh, if a tweet contained the hashtag Iraq protests um, or something like that then um, this would uh, download the tw- this would uh, find the tweet download the video and uh, archive it to uh, um, to some storage and uh, I and i ended up archiving like dozens of gigabytes of video most off a lot of which ended up being deleted later so um uh that was a that that's kind of an example of a fairly basic um program you can write that can actually be quite helpful um to journalists and researchers another uh thing i did is um so I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Kiwi Farms forums. They're uh, they've uh, been in the news a bit recently, um but it's kind of a cesspool forum of doxing and harassment. Um and uh I wrote a full scraper for the forums. I I uh, archived around 6 million posts, um like 50 million reactions. Um it was it was a pretty much complete uh uh archive of the site um and I gave that and I uh gave that script and, and I gave that um script to some other researchers who were looking at social media data and they did some cool things with it. So yeah, like the, there's just like um those are kind of two examples of some ways I've used programming in uh, open source research. Um Iganish, uh can you talk about uh some applications you've used programming for in open source research?
2: Oh yeah, Uh, I'll probably talk again about this uh, voter database because I found it. It's very useful if you're researching uh, in Kyrgyzstan. So in Kyrgyzstan, uh, to make the elections more transparent, uh, government with every election publishes uh, like tons of PDFs with all the people that have voted. Okay, so basically like citizens of Kyrgyzstan, everyone who's over eighteen and who has voted, and uh, uh, you can. Only vote where you're registered at, so you'll have this one PDF document of all the people who registered at this one uh, like voting poll, and you'll have like their full names, their date of birth, and yeah, and then you'll know that they they actually probably they actually live in this place. Uh, so I was registered at this uh, village in Kyrgyzstan, and that's how one would find out that I lived there. Okay, and there were like a thousands of this kind of voting polls. And once I scraped them all and fit it into a database, I had this very nice database of uh, over a million citizens. There are, there are around 6 million citizens in Kyrgyzstan, and about one have voted at the time. And, and you could see uh, when, where they have voted, and you would get the full names. So, for example, if you find me in that database, my full name is Aydarbeka Vajganesh. And you'll find, you'll basically find where, uh, like, what village I lived in. And you could also check out, uh, you could also find out my uh, um, paternal name, because that's how, like, words, uh, like, how full names work in our Russian-speaking countries. And you can find my relatives, you can find my because my paternal name you'll find there, there. You'll find my siblings, because our last name and paternal name will be the same and stuff like that so this has been useful for investigating corrupt officials in kyrgyzstan because they're um like they're probably that's universal crosswalk officials they don't usually register their businesses or shady stuff uh, or even their properties under their names. they usually register it under their like family members siblings uh children parents and stuff like that and using this database, once you scrape it all, you could easily work with this how like uh, names work, and you would be able to find uh, relatives, and then find that uh, they actually have properties, or they actually have uh, a company, uh, which the uh, like uh, the uh, PM is actually, or the uh, members of parliaments are actually lobbying and stuff like that. And yeah, so last year, for example, I've used that database to find out a wife of one of the very, very notoriously corrupt officials, but it wasn't known at that time. And by finding his wife, uh, I was able to, yeah, find her social media, uh, their kids' social media, and yeah, look at basically all the li- luxurious lof- lifestyle they had and, yeah, like properties that they would not be able to afford for his official salary and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's one interesting thing from my side.
1: Great, thank you. Uh, Johanna, uh, What's uh, uh, what are some cool applications of programming in open source research that you've done?
3: Yeah, I want to give two examples that show a little bit how i get my ideas to uh, to build a tool so um one tool very simple one actually that that i uh, built and which is also available on um bellingcat's github is uh, is a very simple tool for to check whether a phone number is connected to a telegram account and this is really a very simple tool and It came out of the need at one point I had a long list of phone numbers and I found it a little bit annoying to manually um, uh, check uh, via Telegram whether, um, whether there could be an account or not. And I thought, okay, in that case, if I have many phone numbers, there must be an easier way. And um, that's how I came up with a very simple tool where I can input phone numbers and it checks uh, automatically whether there might be a Telegram account um, or not. So, and if I now look at our uh, GitHub, I'm really surprised that quite a lot of people seem to use this tool. And that also shows that if you start out in programming, don't worry that you have to come up with very complicated Tools. It can be a very simple idea and it can can really come out of a very simple need that you have during your research. And then you just try out experimenting whether you can solve this challenge that you face yourself and build a tool, and it can be really, really simple as as I see. I, I'm I'm still surprised myself because this still something is really simple. And another example which also come came out of, of my own need basically was um, I uh, built a tool that is um, built based on uh, existing on an existing TikTok scraper. And that helps me analyze w- once I have downloaded um, for a specific hashtag on TikTok, TikTok posts, specifically the, the text that a TikTok um, usually has. So once I have downloaded a, a certain a small data set, related um, to a specific hashtag I'm interested in. It helps me to find out in all those posts that I now have downloaded, which are the most commonly used other hashtags that show up in this database and this came out of a need that i um, observed on tiktok uh, that i thought okay there are in certain cases strange hashtags that seem to be used over and over again and uh, that might be part of a campaign or not and then I thought, okay, instead of just clicking there for hours to find related hashtags that might be used in that context, because I did this very manually, right? I just was on TikTok, clicking on a TikTok, then reading, okay, what type of hashtag is mentioned in this TikTok, then I clicked on that, then I clicked from there. That is all fine. That, that is a big part of the open source um a research workflow but i thought okay is there any easier way for me to do this just to um, to check how can i find out related hashtags hashtags that i used together very often and that's how i came up to to build this type of tool which i also still want to develop a little bit further based on other needs that i now have so that These are some simple examples that I think can show you if you are already an open source researcher, then in your day-to-day life, you will come across a lot of challenges and a lot of things that you would like to solve by automating it a little bit. And that could be a good way to get good ideas for first simple projects if you want to learn programming.
1: Yeah, that's great. Um so uh now uh, I think uh we want to discuss a bit about some advice um we have for learning programming. And I think the biggest piece of advice that I have and that I've seen is uh what if you're trying to learn programming, uh what you learn is not going to stick if you don't really care about what you're learning. So uh like I mentioned the first time I learned programming, it was with it, it was with a course um With C++, so we were just doing like, I don't know, things I didn't care about, um, like just basic like education, like uh, kind of kind of the standard like learning how to program uh, programs, and uh, I just didn't care about you know finding all prime numbers below a thousand, like things like that. So I didn't really, uh, so it didn't really stick. So kind of more broadly, like there's a lot of tutorials out there that walk you through writing code to do various things. Uh, you can copy and paste the code and run it, and it works, which can definitely be nice. But the problem is, if you rely too much on that, you're learning how to read code and copy and paste it, but you're not really learning how to write code. That being said, like a lot of coding, just kind of ends up being stitching together various answers from Stack Overflow. But that, but that stitching together requires how uh, requires you to understand how programs work. So So to sum it up, my advice is don't spend too much time doing tutorials focus on a project that you're actu- actually interested in and do it and uh, another piece of advice um, is just th- don't spend too much time trying to decide the perfect programming language for you to learn. Um, just pick one and do it. Um, basically, all programming languages can you can do anything in any popular programming language, um, like they all have like the same, you know, constructs like loops and stuff. And uh, learning one will kind of teach you most get you most of the way of like kind of th- thinking about how to program. But um, yeah, just just pick up language and learn it. Uh, yeah, Aganisha, do you have any tips?
2: Um, I Yeah, first of all, I totally agree with you. And uh, yeah, something as Johanna has also mentioned, staying consistent is also the key. So when I first learned programming, it took me around two months to get the basics. And I learned only from this three course. So it's quite easy to find those. And you'll also get the exercises so you can, pra- can practice uh, quite nicely. And for me, a great thing uh, that helped me was also having a project. So in these two months, uh, once I've done it, I have uh, basically scraped this whole uh, like, lots of PDFs, which I've never done before. And uh, when you have, I don't know, when you ha- have a goal and when you know that this is actually possible, because my mentor told me that it's possible, you can actually, like, similar to Austin community, you can just Google stuff. You can find the answers and, uh, yeah, try it out. And uh, uh, and eventually, it, yeah, it, it will work. So I'd say, yeah, there's lots of actual similarity with, like, Austin kind of work. You just need to practice a lot and if you have an end goal if you know yeah what you're looking for it it will get easier yeah and yeah once you apply it it will get great and then after that I took a huge break and I forgot almost everything and earlier this year I started learning again and one thing that helped me a lot was teaming up with Johanna. We use it worked for a while. We uh, would do like a weekly check-ins to check in. Yeah, we started uh, this course on Coursera together, and would do check-ins if uh, if we finished this week's uh, assignments, so stuff like that. And that helped me a lot. Yeah. So that would be my advice: find a buddy and find a project that you want.
3: Yeah, thanks, uh, Aganish. I fully agree. We should start um, partnering up more again. <laughs> it's a good reminder. That's actually I fully I fully agree. It's way easier to learn if you don't do it completely isolated, because uh, then if you feel stuck, uh, you you might feel frustrated. But if you have someone else to talk to, that helps a lot. And I think that can either be someone who's also learning how to program or what is also good to have uh, in your network a few people who know how to program and um, wh- whom you can just ask if if you're really stuck but in general how i would start so if uh, if i imagine you you're a researcher like like i was with really zero zero experience in this area So the first thing, as Tristan said, choose a programming language, because uh, I think everyone who starts uh, to learn how to program is reading a lot, okay, which programming language to start and uh, goes back and forth. It seems like a very complicated decision. So I also tried out a few before I settled on Python. And if you don't want to spend a lot of thoughts on choosing a programming language, and you want one that is really, really helpful in uh, the, the broader uh, synth area, then I recommend you just go for Python and don't think much about it. Of course, if you want to think more about it, then go ahead. But if you, if you want an easy start, just go with Python, because I also uh, fi- find that Python is easier than some other programming language, especially if you start, the structure of the language is less complex compared to others. And that's why you have an easier start compared to others. At the same time, it's still quite powerful. So it's not that you are limited if you learn Python and you can do quite complex things with it, but it's way easier to start with. That is at least my personal experience. And I also know this from other people who uh, started learning a programming language. So after you chose the programming language, the first thing is, not to directly focus on learning the programming language, but the first thing you should definitely do is how uh, you should try to learn how to use the command line of your computer. Because whatever programming course you might do, often this is a prerequisite and um, the courses often... Uh, think that you already know how to use the command line. And if you're completely new to the whole topic and you actually don't know it, then you will be stuck. So basically imagine the command line. So your computer already has a command line. You don't need to uh, usually uh, install a lot or something like that. Imagine it as a way to communicate with your computer that is more powerful than the way you are usually using your computer, right? So if you use the command line of your computer, you, you um, open a li- little window on your screen and that's where you start t- to type commands. And this ability to type commands and to understand what is written there, that is also what you will need when you learn your programming language. But these are actually two separate things. So the first thing is I would recommend you to just on, on YouTube, there are many, many tutorials out there on how to learn how to use the command line. Just Google uh, a tutorial command line and then add whether you use uh, Windows or Mac because it it might be a little bit different. So choose a tutorial for the system you use and spend enough time to use this command line. So that is really important because I at the beginning was a little bit too quick with the command line. But then you get stuck also with the programming because uh, you don't know how to type in commands. And basically it means command line means you can type in and speak with your computer and give your computer um, commands. And a programming language uh, is basically the same right so you work a lot with commands and we really need this this command line so don't don't try to skip it don't try to make it um faster spend enough time to learn how to use the command line and i know this can be a bit boring too right to to open this to type in things there it might uh, give you the impression that it's boring but spend enough time on that if you're completely new it's really crucial and once you have um you feel that y- that you understood what the command line is and how it works then i would recommend you to to start an introduction uh, course Um, I agree that projects are very important, but I still think if you're an absolute beginner, I would recommend you to start with the course um, for beginners. But as Tristan also suggested, don't stick with it for too long, because the courses give you a sort of security, right? You have the feeling, OK, there are clear steps on what to learn and what not to learn. And then at the beginning, I personally had a big fear of leaving the course and doing an actual project because I didn't feel ready. But do a, a few courses or one introductory course, but then at some point, say stop and then really, really try your own projects, as uh, Aganisha and Tristan pointed out, otherwise you will not um, stay motivated. So you really need a project to, to learn how to do programming in a real world. The courses are good and it's really a good start, but it's not the real environment and it keeps you in some sort of wrong security. And um, yeah, once you start your project, just choose some thing that that comes across during your research as i mentioned earlier if you have a long list of phone numbers and you need to do a certain check ask yourself okay can i automate this in uh, some way and make this your project and you will be slow at the beginning you uh, will need for building a script or a, a simple tool you will need a long time compared to people who do this for 10 years and that might feel frustrating, but don't underestimate how much you learn also by doing these very, very simple projects. And then I also want to share a few, because I thought when when I started and since especially myself, I, I needed several runs <laughs> with programming, I gave up several times and started again. And that's why I, I thought about some tips that I have for you in case you also feel like quitting because you might come to such a point if you come from a completely different field. So the first point is exactly what Aganish said, try to be disciplined try to do it on a regular basis and uh, not only every two weeks every eight weeks but try to do it if possible at the beginning every day so even if you don't have much time try to do do it half an hour every day Um, because otherwise you you start forgetting and you feel like you make no progress but you could do a lot of progress just if you are consistent and don't focus on during that time, if you say you take every day half an hour, don't focus on what you want to achieve because you will be slow at the beginning. Focus on the process of learning and try to have some fun with this. So the next thing is, which was also already mentioned that I had the challenge, I felt incredibly bored at the beginning with these programming languages. I was just so bored and had really difficulty motivating myself. And once again, As uh, Tristan and Aganesh mentioned, you need a goal. So when you start already have some projects in mind, even if you have no idea how to implement them, have some projects in mind that you would like to implement, some tools that you would like to build in the future, because this can keep your motivation up, the goal that at one day you you can start building this and you can make this real. If you don't have a goal, you you will stop. And one La- last or nearly last thing. So one crucial thing for me was to change the mindset because I come from a very different field. I'm I'm very used to the field of journalism and also I know the the world of researchers. But I didn't know this this whole programming field. And what was most difficult for me at the beginning was. <laughs> that you get so many error messages, right? You try to do something, you you try to uh, write some lines of code and you think, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine, that works quite well. But then nothing works. And if you do research, the good thing is, usually if I'm stuck with research, I try things another way. So if I don't find a certain type of information, I go to another website and check whether there could be some information. I check Facebook, right? You have various different ways if you're stuck what you could still try in programming i often felt like i run against a wall because you don't have these 10 options that you can try out you need to get it right otherwise you get constantly error messages and at the beginning it really feels like an insult so it can feel like a personal insult you have put so much work into it and you still get error messages and that was the big shift that I had to make in my mind that error messages are not bad. They are not an insult to me. They are actually something good because it gives you a feedback. And then it can sometimes even be fun to try to find a solution to this. And yeah, that, that is very important. May Tristan can tell more about it, how you can find joy in getting error messages and getting getting across these situations where you are stuck. But in these situations, usually you can Google an error message at each time or it helps to work together with other people or to even know people in your network uh, who have more programming experience as you have. And one very last thing, and then I'm done. So I also remember that when I started being interested in learning how to program, I I realized by now, without this having, um, it was not something conscious, but all the programming courses, everything you read, everything you saw on YouTube, it was always presented by men. There was not one woman I saw for years and years. And looking back, this had an impact on me, to be honest. I I wasn't... I wasn't aware of it, but it really had an impact and gave me the feeling that programming is a very closed world and um, something I even don't want to be part of because it's it seems to be only for for a few men who uh, have have their nice groups focusing on that together and. Um, Nowadays, there are way more materials and resources coming out that that are also provided uh, by women and not only by the typical white male programmer that uh, you you might expect to see. And uh, for me, it had an impact on me. It might have for some of you, too. So try to find alternative resources that are a little bit more diverse. That helped me also a lot to get my motivation up for this. Yeah, these were just a few tips from my side. Thank you.
1: Thanks, that was, uh, that was great. Um, Giancarlo, have we gotten any questions? Yeah, uh, not
0: yet, but uh, I, I have some questions that I'm going to ask. I want to just first, yeah. the, uh, before I do that, though, I want to apologize to Johanna and Aganish because I didn't give you the introduction that I gave Tristan at the beginning. I didn't know that you were coming, uh, so <laughs> I'm very sorry for that. Uh, I gave Tristan a nice intro uh, with some text that he sent me, and I didn't do it for you. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, obviously, uh, Johanna and Aganisha are, are members <laughs> of, the, sorry. of the tech team. Thank no you. Um, and uh, yeah, together, it's, it's the three of you, and, and Logan is in the tech team as well, and Miguel as well, right? It's the tech team, I think, uh, uh, yeah. pretty well represented here. So, so yeah, my apologies again. I'm very sorry. And, and thank, you, thank you for coming and for sharing that with us. Um, okay, so we've got about 15 minutes for Q&A. If you're listening, you can un you can raise your hands. I don't know how to do it. I know what it looks like when you do it, and I know how to unmute you. So If you can figure out how to raise your hand, uh, I can unmute you. You can ask your question, or you can type your question in the State Talk chat channel here. I've just sent a message, so it should light up on your Discord uh, app or on your desktop. Uh, to get started really quickly, uh, I have a question for... Um, Johanna, and I guess for everybody else as well, Johanna, you mentioned that there were lots of misconceptions about programming that people might think are real, but they're not real. They're misconceptions. These misconceptions can sometimes have the effect of turning people off from even trying programming. And it's funny that you mentioned that one of the misconceptions that you uh, uh, found out was fake was that you needed math to get into programming. I'll tell you, that's why I've never tried to get into programming, because I am really bad at math like horrible at math and i've always thought that to be a programmer you had to know math so that's that's why i've never done it so i'm i'm happy to learn that that's not the case can you think of any other misconceptions that you know as you began your path down programming you realized oh actually that's completely false it's not like that way like that way at all are there any other misconceptions that you can think about yeah yeah
3: yeah, uh, so the math thing definitely was also a big thing for me. Uh, once again, and you, you need it in certain areas uh, for programming, but you can also start with, uh, with the basics, right? So, um, and that was something that uh, really uh, led me for many years not to even come close to this area. I think another, another big uh, misconception, um, and it also took me a long time to understand this, is that as a researcher... You don't necessarily need to become a perfect programmer in order to be able to make a good contribution to the field. So something that I thought for a long time and that some of you also might maybe think is you often hear that, okay, it's very complicated to learn programming. You need 10 years to become good at it. You need to be a teenager who started at 14 uh, learning it and then becoming better and better. And it's true that... Um, It's not easy to become a very, very advanced programmer very quickly if you have a completely different background and don't spend full time on catching up and learning it. But what is important to know is that you don't need to become perfect in programming to do interesting things. You don't need to know everything. You don't even, even if you don't manage to learn programming at all, already if you manage to learn how to use the command line, you can use all the nice tools that are out there on GitHub that have been built by others. And in my mind in the past, I didn't really make a difference between you need to have 10 years experience in order to build a tool before you even start using a tool. I I didn't make any difference. And the thing is, in our field, there are so many people who have no idea how to program and have no idea how to use the command line. And actually, we we recently, uh, we did this year a survey um, with 500 open source investigators who answered that um, basically, Only one out of four people were able to use tools that are available on GitHub. And on GitHub, it's a code sharing platform. You can imagine it like a social media platform for code where uh, developers upload code and tools. And usually you can use these things for free. And to use these things, you don't need a lot of programming. It is good if you understand a little bit, but you don't need 10 years of experience and learning to be able to do this. So the next thing is if you learn a little bit and you work together with other researchers who have no idea at all, you will be able to contribute a lot, even though if you feel you're not a programmer because you don't have enough experience, you're still so far ahead compared to others, even with learning it for one year that you will be able to do a lot of interesting things. And I think, Nowadays, the skill becomes also more and more important in the industry, which means that, honestly, if you're searching for a job at the moment as an open source researcher and you teach yourself a few skills, a a little bit of programming skills, I think you have often better chances getting the job because employers also... Realize more and more that being able to automate things to a certain extent is um, is quite important and is a good skill to have. So don't don't think you need to know everything. A little bit, a little bit of experience helps a lot. And yeah, that was for me a big big learning that took me a long time to understand.
0: Thank you so much for that, Johanna. That's uh, yeah, it's it's always fascinating to hear people's journeys through learning a new skill because you always you know picture yourself you know would I have made those same decisions? Would I even have had the courage you know, to get started? And again, I haven't had it yet because I think uh, I'm just so bad at math, uh, but, but I'm happy to hear again that you don't have to be good at math to be a, a programmer. So thank you so much for sharing that. we got a bunch of questions in the Stage Talk chat channel. One here from Strategist. I'm gonna post this one to um, either Aganisha or Tristan. What, uh, from Strategist again, hi Strategist. Strategist asks, what kind of tools do you think are the most needed in the OSINT space at the moment.
1: Yeah, so um we actually um like like uh, Johanna said we uh, uh had a big survey uh asking researchers what uh the kind of tool, their tool needs were and we published an article on that. And in particular this uh we met, uh Johanna spent a lot of time compiling this spreadsheet um that lists in detail the um needs of open source researchers. So um but, in general, I think that uh, like Johannes said, like the bi- like the biggest tool needs is making th- is making things accessible to researchers, you know, like any tool we develop is you know like any command line tool we develop, we're already like throwing away you know seventy five percent of our audience because um only twenty five percent of people know how to use the command line, so i think I think a focus. I think something we want to focus on is making tools more accessible to people. Uh,
0: thank you for that, Tristan. Um, I also see uh, that there was a question from Beans Collector. Uh, I, love, I love your profile picture. It's a picture of John Cena with a Mao-style haircut. Uh, so Beans Collector, um, uh, congratulations on a cool picture there. Uh, Beans Collector asks, "Hey, uh, thank you for this. Can you learn Python?" for a reasonable, I'm sorry, to a reasonable level without spending any money? And a couple of folks have already said, yes, you definitely can. They've linked yes. some research. Some Ab- uh, Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, yes, absolutely. I mean, if, like, you really shouldn't need to spend money to um, learn Python, like, or most programming languages. Like, yes, it is nice to be able to take them in a college class, but that's absolutely not necessary. I mean, uh. I guess the, the, the only uh, potential uh, thing that you might be spending money on, like for me, like I would, be, get, I would get really frustrated when I was doing these big data projects and I would run out of RAM. So I was like, all right, I guess you need <laughs> to buy more RAM. But no, you, you, you shouldn't need to spend much, if at all, money, if any money to learn programming to a sufficient level.
0: Good. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, this one I'll ask uh, maybe to Aganish, but uh, anybody else is, uh, you know, feel free to jump in as well. This is a a, a, a tough one, it, it looks like, from Butts. Hello, Butts. Butts asks From you all's experience doing OSINT, what formal or professional level areas of knowledge have you found to be important for programmers to know in order to be effective at their jobs or to be taken seriously? For example, uh, from traditional computer uh, software software engineering, data structures and algorithms, application architecture and design, cloud app development, API integration or development. A lot of terms there that I don't know, uh, but uh, anybody, Tristan, Johanna or Aganesh, want to answer that question?
1: Um, I can take a stab on, at it, um, but I'd be curious to know uh, Johanna and Aganish's, um input because uh, cause they're the ones who hired me. But um, I think the most important thing is to show that you can learn things, uh, like showing that you're f- that you can fairly easily pick up, you know, a new framework or programming language or whatever, um, if needed. I think is a lot more valuable than saying, "Hey, I know Python really, 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 really well." Like that's that's super useful. But say, but being able to show, "I know Python really, really well." Also, um, when I needed to, I learned this JavaScript framework or something because. Um, that was uh, necessary for this project I was working on. So just showing that you can pick things up quickly, I think, is more valuable than knowing any particular framework. And in order to kind of show that, I think the best way is just to, like, have, I guess, have projects in a few different languages using a few different frameworks. Um, Yeah, I'd be curious to know uh, Johanna and Aganisha's uh, input.
3: I actually agree. So I I stepped away at a certain point from making like a learning program for me or saying, okay, this I have to learn or that I have to learn. I I also find it's much better to focus on what you want to do. And then you ask yourself, what do I need in order to do that? And this is how the things come up that you still need to learn, right? And of course, there are a few areas that actually require, uh in in our in our world, so it's um, it's usually always very helpful to to scrape data, right? Things like that they come up over and over again, and you will soon realize what is necessary for your research. And based on that, I would decide what to learn next. And as Tristan said, it, it works much better because then it's connected to a real world thing. And I think even if you want to get hired, it's Way more important, as Tristan said, to point out. Look, I did this project. Uh, look at what I did compared to okay, I did this course and covered all these uh, these modules. So yeah, I I agree basically with, with with what you said, Tristan.
2: Yeah, definitely, I totally agree with it too. And uh, yeah, a great indicator can be the uh, you know your GitHub account, the projects that you've done. And when I was being hired, uh, I also mentioned, it was like four years ago, I also mentioned to Eric at the time that I knew how to program. I told him a little bit about my project. But it was not on GitHub, and he, was not really, he had no technical experience. So what happened is basically, I don't remember who, but someone in the team just sent me a few uh, like exercises uh, on Python with how working with data science and stuff and I sent them back and they agreed that it was right and then hired me. <laughs> yeah, so that's how it happened for me.
0: Nice. Yeah, it's always, it's always fun to hear uh, how I got hired stories. Um, and it's never happened that we've had two people on at the same time as the person that they hired, so that's cool. Um, it's good that you're all here for that um we have about three minutes left um and i am going to uh, invite tristan johanna and Aganish to to check out the stage talk chat and answer any questions via text that we don't have access uh, that we don't have time to get to um i will ask this is the last one uh before we, we uh, end the stage talk from eric Weiss, who says i am interested in doing investigations through journalism um for travel as well as crime are there any databases or programs available that any of you guys use for your research Oh, as I as I read that, I realize that's a really complicated question. I think, and and might have a, a complicated answer. But do any of you want to answer that question before we um, we end off today?
1: Um, I can take a stab on it. I think the a lot of times the hard part is just finding the data, um, and I think I don't think there's like a single database of you know crime or. Like often there isn't a single database. There will be like you know one data. You might like find data for one specific city or one specific county or something like that. So, a lot of times the hard part in data science is just making the data consistent and you know, um, making sure all the countries are or are, uh, correct. But also, it's worth. Uh, I I just want to say um I'm not doing anything for the next half hour. So like um, I can uh, I. I'd be happy to stay in here a little longer and answer questions. Um, but uh, yeah,
0: thanks for that offer, Tristan. I do want to end. Uh, I do want to sort of close the record, recording here to keep it at an hour, just because then we have consistency in the um, in the SoundCloud products, the um, uh, the stage gotcha. talks being an hour. But thank you, for, thank you for your time. And uh, you know, if you want to hang out on the server, obviously, and like chat with people here, um, always welcome to do that. Uh, any any last thoughts there, Johanna or Aganish before we say goodbye for this uh, stage talk?
3: Yeah, thanks everyone, and just start and start uh, and try to learn it and do your own projects. It will work out. Don't get frustrated. With a little bit of patience, you can definitely do it.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much, everybody. If you are listening to this on SoundCloud, thank you for listening. Uh, Tune in next week, probably for a new stage talk and to everybody who's still here in the stage talk, thank you so much for coming. We'll have more of these in the future uh, more often, hopefully. So thanks again, have a great weekend and thank you to our guests for coming. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the stage talk. If you'd like to catch a stage talk live and ask the guests questions, Join the Bellingcat Discord server by visiting www.discord.gg forward slash Bellingcat. The music you've heard is titled 1983 by Ben Elson and is courtesy of Epidemic Sound.